This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be come. Welcome to Friday. That's exciting, isn't it? Well, the good news is that the, the day is Friday, which means the weekend, which means more fireworks, I should imagine, tonight and tomorrow. I don't know why. Some people don't bother with November the 5th. They kind of do it a couple of days afterwards. Uh, the good news is I had a great chat with my accountant yesterday. Had a better chat with my bank manager and uh, and everything looking really tickety-boo and fantastic for the weekend, which is great. We finally got some money. Uh, plus, we celebrate the 80th anniversary of Hammer, the House of Horror Films. There's a big London film convention taking place. I'll give you details of that. 1p on the petrol cut. Not enough. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, the hypocrite Russell Brand, a night of controversy. Yes, the old champagne socialist was out yet again. Fantastic, isn't it? All those people who's hanging around with suckers. Suckers. And penguins. 95 quid. And I've never known an advert on the television get so much cut. They must have nothing to write about now. Two pages in the mail today on an advert on the television to get you to shop at John Lewis because it's got a stuffed penguin in it. Oh, sorry. Sorry, shouldn't have said that. Kids are meant, meant to believe it's real. It's not stuffed. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Shouldn't have said that. Nothing like ruining everybody's sort of life, isn't it? When you tell them that, you know, the penguin on the television... Actually, of course, the, the moment I heard we were using penguins again reminded me, and I don't know if the pictures are still on the LBC website on my page, when we had a penguin in the studio. We had a penguin in the studio. They stink to high heaven. You know, if you don't go anywhere near penguin colonies, I promise you, you wouldn't like it. They're very, very noisy. They tramp for my Emperor penguins tramp for miles. But my all-time favourite children's book... Don't... don't rent the film because the film is rubbish but my all-time favorite children's book i've two which uh, i've managed to secure early editions of one is mr popper's penguins which uh, came out with a film with i can't remember jim carrey i think i'd have done it. it was rubbish rubbish and the other one was the circus is coming by noel stretfield uh, again two fantastic books which date back to the 1940s i think but Miss, mr popper's penguins was a really good book. If you're looking for a good book for the kids, and they're about seven and eight and something like that, then this would be the ideal book. Because it's the story of Mr Popper. Uh, Mr Popper and his wife live in a very ordinary little house, just a little suburban house. It's a bit like sort of the Paddington Bear type story, except Mr Popper is a radio ham. Mr Popper likes going on his radio and talking to people around the world, and he talks to somebody called Captain Cook, who's in the Antarctic. Captain Cook is in the Antarctic. And Mr Popper corresponds with him. Every night he goes on, are you there, Captain? Yes, and they chat backwards and forwards, and they've been doing it for ages. And then Captain uh, Cook says to him, um, I'm going to send you a present, Mr Popper. Send you a present. Mr Popper has no idea what the present is going to be, and when it turns up, it's a case. And in it is a penguin. And he gets his first live penguin. And it's a really super story. For sort of children, if, if you can get a copy of it, there must be modern-day versions. It must have been reprinted time and time again. Mr Popper's Penguins. But uh, don't buy the film, because the film was just made with uh, American money, and they, they've changed it from what it was. It's a nice, unaffected little children's story. Worth going for. Uh, so yesterday, you remember I'd had this, uh, this dreadful thing where I suddenly thought, oh, it's tax coming up, isn't it? We have to pay... I was talking to my friend uh, Nicola, who works for another station one of our sister stations, and she said, oh, tax, don't talk to me about tax. And I said, well, actually, I'm really good with tax. I'm very, very, I know it upsets a lot of people, and people say I don't like to get involved with it, I just give it to the accountant. I'm lucky. I do know people in this building. I think Andy McCall does his own tax. I wouldn't even know where to begin. 
I wouldn't have the faintest idea. Not a, not a clue. I just, my mind shuts off for things like that. I give it to my accountant, Steve, who is fantastic and has been doing my books for many, many years. But anyway, this, all of a sudden I got to this stage where I think it got to the end of October and I thought, I haven't had this, this notification of exactly how much I'm supposed to be paying in January. Because being self-employed, I pay end of January, end of July. And uh, so I phoned, I, le- I left a message at the office and nobody got back to me. And I thought, oh, God, perhaps it's a rogue answer phone. Do you remember that advert on the television? Was it Carlsberg? And the phone rings and it's the Carlsberg complaints line and uh, somebody got the wrong number. It was one, it was one of the... I, th- and I thought, maybe I'd left a message and it's gone somewhere completely different. So then I tried again. That didn't work either. So then I phoned the office during the daytime and spoke to his secretary. She said, well, call him at home. He's working from home this week. So I called him at home, and that was on, what day are we up to? Friday, Thursday. That was Tuesday. Went to his answer phone, but it's not his voice on the answer phone. It's, it's one of those anonymous voices that you get on all answer phones. I don't think you should personalise anything. Otherwise, people go, oh, I know whose phone that is now. I think you just have to leave it so it's, uh, so it's the anonymous voice. Hello, he's not in at the moment. Please leave a call. And uh, so I left another message, and that didn't work. So I called yesterday, and eventually got through to him. I went, oh, God, I've been trying to get through to you for ages. And he said, no, it's all right. He said, he said, we've already, he said, I've already got your paperwork. And so, and then his computer crashed. Halfway through the conversation, because when, when I have a chat to my accountant, not like other accountants, we talk about films. We talk about comedy programmes, we talk about films that he's loved over the years, because he's a little bit older than I am. But he picked up an illness some years ago, and it was a bit touch and go. They put him on diamorphine, and he started hallucinating, and I mean, it was really a disaster. Seriously, I thought we were actually going to lose him. And uh, he's pulled through, and he's, he's opting now for a slightly easier life. You know, he loves it. He must be the only accountant I've ever met who does everything by hand. He doesn't do it on the computer. It's all handwritten out, which is very laborious, but it's the way he likes to operate. So we were having a chat about, you know, films and Ealing film. And I said, I've got you some nice British films because he loves British films. He said, he said, they're not Ealing films. I said, well, there is a new, two new DVD collections courtesy of the Ealing films. He said, oh, fantastic. I said, well, I've got them for you. I've got them for you. It's like, you know, I like to give him little presents every so often. I give his secretary a box of chocolates for Christmas, and he gets port and things like that. So anyway, so we're chatting, and he goes, oh, he said, the, the blasted computer's jammed. He said, and it's got my, my tax programme on it. So I said, well, it doesn't matter. I said, give me a ring back later. So blow me down. Within an hour and a half, he phoned me back. And he said, uh, he said, I phoned the office, he said. I don't have your books. He said, so, he said, can you get them over to me by next week? I said, yeah, easy peasy. Because you've only got to find, I think in my case, it's something like 16 invoices. And you take over your bank statements and stuff. And I get no end of bank statements. I must be the only person who seems to have about eight or ten bank accounts. I don't know what they're for. I've got no, seriously. I feel as though I'm sort of stockpiling money. I'm not. Because I think when we first started going self-employed, we set up a home account, we set up a savings account, we set up a tax account, then a business account. And so it went on, and I ended up with, and then we decided to consolidate them. So now we're down to about four accounts. Plus, of course, there's a savings account and there's bonds and all these other bits and pieces. So all, all I've got to do today is put all my paperwork out on the floor and just sort it out into what he wants. And then I shall whiz it down there with all these films. And there, because I like to be organised... I cannot bear not being organised over tax. I need to know, come Christmas, or at least the beginning of January, how much I'm paying at the end of January. We've got the money. I'm not like one of these, these people who, who isn't good at saving. I'm actually very... Well, 
I'm rubbish. That's a lie. I'm rubbish. But my uh, bank manager who looks after my account is very good at saving my money, which I think is brilliant. I think is brilliant. And so she says, right, I put this much money in your tax account. There's this much money in your household, sorry, in your household account. Uh, This much money we've gone to pay that and all the rest of it. So she keeps me organised. That's the bit I need. I'm more than happy. If I could have anything in the world, if I won the lottery, it would be a social secretary. The social secretary would be the one who would... Can you imagine having somebody who would say to you, right, today you're doing this, this, this and this. Uh, We've written all the Christmas cards. You've just got to sign them. Uh, we've done all the labels for them, so all your Christmas cards are sorted. And you've got an event this evening. Your dinner jacket is uh, hanging up in the bedroom. It's all. It's uh, that's what you want. And then I suddenly realised that's like being a member of the royal family. That's what they get. They get somebody who lays out all their different things and gives them the cards. This is who you're meeting, and that's what I would like. I would love the social secretary. Before you all start writing in for the job, I haven't won the lottery yet. When I win the lottery, I'll let you know just how how doable it is. Uh, so ghosts don't exist. It's a figment of your imagination makes a bit of a mockery of that most haunted program or so haunted or so hideous and it's only an ex-blue peter presenter it's a load of old hooey it's absolute hooey the scientists have now said it's hooey they don't exist it's your brain playing tricks or in the case of most haunted it's the entire program who are just telling lies to you you know oh what was that what was that nothing dear it was the cameraman tripping over something something moved no it didn't okay and they always have to film it in the dark because otherwise you'd see all the little bits and pieces that are going on. But, you know, I'm sure we could bring Yvette Fielding into this studio, and within about two minutes, the hooded wonder would have found out that there are ghosts walking through walls and floating through windows. It's a load of old codswallop. It really is ridiculous. Found a couple of good uh, benefit fraudsters for you today on a Friday. I'd like to find a couple going into the weekend. Uh, Thank you, incidentally, for all the people who've pre-ordered my book. I mean, we're we're nearly into double figures. I'm very excited by it. You can only pre-order it on Amazon. And it's called Say You Want to Be a Celebrity by Steve Allen, age 13 and three quarters. And it's available for pre-order because it doesn't come out till uh, January, I think January the 8th. So it'll be sort of like a New Year present for yourself. It's the only book I've ever done. So you might as well take, uh, take full advantage. So you want to be a celebrity because it's, it's the subject that everybody thinks about. Everybody wants to be a celebrity. Well, most people want to be celebrities. Even people who phone LBC to a certain extent, would be celebrities, minor celebrities. They would be known. If you're known, you become a celebrity. And so if you phone up programmes regularly enough, you know, you all sit at home and you hear somebody phone, you go, oh, not them again. Oh, God, the bore of the first order, you know. And you start getting to know people and you start going, oh, God, it's them again. Don't they ever go to sleep? Don't they ever have a life? And the answer is probably not. Probably not. But that's what makes up the world. And it makes it uh, more interesting. Uh, Cheryl Cole really pushed her intelligent boundaries the other day. She flicked a switch. So exciting. I felt like going there and really giving her a huge round of applause. Well done, Cheryl. Why, I lass, because you're worth it. Uh, the student loan defaulters, what they do is they take out the loan, come to this country, then they disappear abroad and they don't bother paying it again. All at this time of the morning. But let's face it, he took the lives of, what was it, 13 women? 13, I remember the cock-ups with the Yorkshire police over that one. I lived through the whole of the Yorkshire Ripper. I was on LBC the day that we got the tape. The day that the tape arrived in, it was released by the police. They thought it was the Yorkshire Ripper. And we played it out on LBC's news. Ah, you've always tried to catch me, haven't you, Jack? But you can't do it. And it turned out it was some loony. 
some loony had made this tape, but we played it on all the bulletins because it came from the police, and they were saying they thought it was official. He seemed to have advance notice. They'd already picked up Peter Sutcliffe before and interviewed him, and they'd, uh, they hadn't done anything at all with him. He seemed to fit the profile. He was a lorry driver. Uh, he had a grudge against, uh, against women working as prostitutes. And it was only when they went to arrest him and they, they had him, they were taking him in to the police station... And, and he said, oh, stop, 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 I've got to go toilet, got to go toilet. So they stopped the police car, they let him get out, and he went to the toilet, came back and they, they took him to the police station, and uh, he said, I, I bet you're dying to know, aren't you? And they said, what is that? You want to know if I'm the Yorkshire Ripper? And he said, I am. And they suddenly realised that when they'd let him out of the car to go to the toilet, what had he done? He'd just murdered a prostitute, but he'd hidden the hammer so they went back to where he'd been to the toilet and they found the hammer. And the rest, as they say, is history. He's in Broadmoor. And uh, I couldn't give a stuff whether he dies or not. I really couldn't. Justice for those poor girls. Justice for those poor girls. Not all prostitutes. He's 68 now. 68 years old. They say he's had a heart attack. And uh, they say if he doesn't improve, he's not got long left. There is a God. 17 minutes past four. This is LBC. Nick Ferrari this morning. Phone Farage back as the UKIP leader takes your calls at nine. And an exclusive LBC poll gives a shocking insight into how voters feel about the coalition. Nick will have all the latest from Nottinghamshire after a girl was injured when a police gun was accidentally fired. Nick and the team at seven. After the morning news with Lisa Aziz, Andrew Pearce is looking at the papers today. Oh, it'd be nice to see Andrew Pearce upstairs. That'll be nice. Uh, I had uh, something else here. Trying to find all the different things that come in. Yesterday, we didn't get a chance to do uh, all of the uh, emails and all of the texts that came in because we just got a little bit, uh, little bit too, too busy. Uh, Zach says, I've had a butcher's at Daniel Radcliffe rapping. It was brilliant. Yes. He didn't like the film Horns, though. It's odd, that, isn't it? I just love Daniel Radcliffe. I just think he's a nice interview. You know, that's all I worry about. Is it a nice interview? Are they nice people? Yes. Next week, we've got Catherine Tate, and we've got Michael Ball coming in, for all the Michael Ball fans, and uh, Des O'Connor. Yes, Dimples will be in the studio, ladies and gentlemen. That'll be uh, next week. 84850. I got invited to something called Lobster Kitchen. Do you think it is Lobster. We had a discussion with James the other day about lobster and, uh, and what we'd eaten and what we hadn't eaten. And I hadn't eaten lobster yet. I might have to go back to, uh, to Sandy's in Twickenham and sort of get them to prepare me one so I can eat it. I'm not even sure I want to, actually. I'm in two minds over lobsters I'm, I'm, and crab and stuff like that. In fact, and if another letter falls off the sign, fishmongers, they're going to have to start making words up. <laughs> they keep dropping off on a daily basis. It's hilarious, actually. Hilarious. Uh, Jim... Uh, lives in rural Norfolk. Ooh, rural Norfolk. He said, I drive to London at 3am every day, catching your show as I climb the hills south of Cambridge on the M11. I'm trying to send you a picture of Bunty, my female goshawk. Together we terrorise the local rabbit population and the odd pheasant, but she'd be absolutely useless against your city pigeons. They're a wee bit too manoeuvrable. Yet yeah, we, um, we have a hawk in Trafalgar Square. The man's out there most days with the hawk keeping the pigeons away. Dirty, filthy, disgusting creatures. But uh, it's fascinating to watch the hawk. Everybody's interested in it. Everybody's interested. Uh, Noreen went off to the Tower of London. The poppies. Oh, my word, she said. We got to the Tower. Manic. 
saw the poppies, then decided to head back to St Pancras for lunch. Neared the concourse, we heard singing. Loads of people in 1900 costumes, some in forces uniforms, and they were reading out the names of every soldier who left from St Pancras to go to war. Professional theatre company. She said, needless to say, I cried as you would. Oh, I'm terrible, you know. I, mean, I cried the other... I was sitting upstairs at the office the other day, and I was watching... It was, um, it was the orchestra of Iraq. And it's on one of these flash mob things, and they start playing and singing, and it just brings a tear to your eye. It just really does. I, don't, I can't describe it. It's, I, I, I cry at the oddest things nowadays. Anything patriotic, I'm there. I'm there. But, uh, but she's, she's doing good with the, uh, with the pictures. How lovely. How lovely. I love St Pancras Station. That's where you go off to, um, to, uh, to uh, Europe, isn't it, from St Pancras? Lovely. Really enjoyed it. Nice place. All done up very, very well indeed. Dale's up this morning. He said, uh, I know you don't usually do them much. He said, but uh, may I have a happy birthday? Uh, I don't know. 27 years old, I know. Does 27 warrant a happy birthday, Dale? I mean, you know, do you not think big, wet, slobbery kiss is better at 27? Happy birthday to you, better to you, better to Dale, birthday to you. This is the man who shops in Poundland and buys his condoms there. Because apparently you get 16 condoms for a pound or something. Now, uh, there's no good asking me whether or not that's good value or not. I'm just sort of thinking that's like 10 years' worth. Unbelievable. But, uh, but you can get them in Poundland, which is good. Thank you very much indeed for sending me in uh, clips. I get all sorts of clips on this programme sent to me. And Andrew says, have the pigeon police caught up with you yet? No, but I ran over one the other day. Yeah, result, result. I was watching the Fulfords. Have you seen the Fulfords on the television? This is this peculiar so-called upper-class family who are so common, it's almost unbelievable. And uh, they used to be called the effing Fulfords because the father just swears all the time. I mean, the man's a complete buffoon and an idiot. He looks like, uh, you know, he's had more than one or two sherbets. And he's got this, uh, these wayward sons who swear as much as he does. And they live in this run-down old place where they've got 3,000 acres. The father looks like he's on the last legs. And uh, they're just a bit of a waste of space. As families go, they don't seem to contribute anything. Uh, The boys appear to have had good educations, but one of them can't even write his own name. And uh, there they are on this 3,000-acre estate, which is all all run-down. They don't appear to have any money. And yet the father could find the money to send them to private schools. And uh, I was watching it yesterday, and I just kept thinking... What a sad, pathetic waste of space they turn out to be. So I was watching that the other day. So I don't know why I thought about that, actually. And um, more on penguins. Apparently my penguin uh, picture are, are up on the LBC website. You've just got to hunt for the things. Uh, Junior says, uh, my consultant says my prognosis is two months. He said, I'm not going without a fight. He's got this, uh, this cancer at the moment, which has come back, gone, come back, gone. I mean, honestly, it's, it's, had, it's had more resurgences, more resurgences than, uh, than Frank Sinatra, I think, Junior. It comes back and goes, doesn't it? I told you at the moment, I was speaking to my accountant yesterday because he's been, he's been really ill. And I've got a friend at the moment who's got bowel cancer and another friend of mine who's got motor neurons disease. I'm surrounded by people. We seem to have more illnesses around now than we've ever had before. In fact, I just uh, I signed a picture the other day uh, who uh, from, from a lady who they said to me she's terminal, but she's a big fan. And I thought, you know, sometimes you, you question everything, don't you? You question everything. When my mother was diagnosed with secondary cancer, she said she knew. She said to me, I know it's come back. 
She said, I know that. And, uh, and they'd said to her, you know, well, they didn't say anything to her, actually, at the beginning. We had dreadful trouble, I've told you before, with the consultants who just wouldn't say anything to us. They would only tell her. And what, what they said was, you know, you just have to get your affairs in order. They don't know exactly how long it is until it goes through various stages. So Junior will know and everybody else knows, you know, if, if they've said that the prognosis is not good, then you have to get your affairs in order. You know, and you do it. And then you hope, don't you? You hope for that miracle that's around the corner. You hope that somewhere, you know, somebody's going to wave a magic wand over you and you're going to get some nice sparkle and things are going to be great. That's what you hope. But if it isn't going to be that way, you just have to hope that uh, you, you're surrounded by family and friends. That's, what it, that's all it means nowadays, isn't it? And then I suppose you could probably hope that... Um, that you go somewhere where it's even nicer, where there isn't any illness, where there isn't any, where nobody ages. We're all of exactly the same age. We're all equal. It's going to be bloody busy up in heaven, isn't it? Loads of people up there all going, have you heard Steve Allen's show? They'll all be chatting. They've got wirelesses up there or something like that. So good luck with that. To everybody, actually, who's suffering with anything like that, any, any members of family who are going through things, it's terrible, especially coming up to Christmas. That's the worst time, isn't it? My mother died in the November... So Christmas for us was particularly poignant, and uh, and and you just sort of, but you, but you never stop thinking about somebody. That's you know people say the same thing to you. When I came back to work after that, I remember everybody saying sorry. I said it doesn't seriously sorry it doesn't matter seriously. I'm I'm not going to sort of burst into tears and throw myself out of a window. You've always got good memories of somebody. Always got good memories. You always think that's actually quite nice. When I spoke to the uh, partner of this uh, friend of mine who's got motor neurons, I said, you know, you, you take as many photos, take as many videos. You've got that. That'll be there for, for the rest of your life. You can always look back on them. It's the only thing we don't do. We don't take pictures at funerals. Take them at births. Take them at weddings. Nobody goes round and takes a photograph of sort of somebody after they've died. So you've got something to look back on. Uh, Dan says... I see you can pre-order your book through Waterstones, too. Really? Am I in Waterstones? I've never been in Waterstones before. That's a bit exciting, isn't it? Are you sure? Oh, I'm very excited by that. Pre-order it in Waterstones. Perhaps I'll be on the till. Perhaps they'll be sort of selling the copy. Perhaps we, we, we could be a bestseller, ladies and gentlemen. We push our, push our sort, of, uh, sort of boundaries a little bit further on this one. God. Steve Allen say you want to be a celebrity. I'll probably be invited on television programmes to talk about it. It is the thing that people want to talk about nowadays, isn't it? And I've always been fascinated by it. Not just necessarily celebrities, like the people I talk to on In Conversation, but the people who think they're celebrities, but they're not. They're just media people. You know, the people from, from TOWIE and stuff like that. They're not celebrities. They haven't done anything. They're media tarts. That's what they are. They're people who turn up. To talk about, you know, well, just about anything, I suppose. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, Mark says 16 condoms from Poundland is 100 years worth. <laughs> it's true. I can't it makes me laugh, actually, when somebody says, oh, 16 condoms for a pound. I never thought I'd be actually, uh, I'd never thought that I'd actually be saying that on the programme. I remember talking to somebody years ago who said, I can't believe the things that people talk about on the radio. You know, you talk about intimate items. and But we used to do sex phone-ins on LBC. Sex, I mean, sex phone Can you imagine? Sex phone-ins. I mean, people used to listen in because they'd never heard such a thing before. I used to listen in. I used to do one. I used to do a sex phone-in with Anne Hooper. And she would ask... Well, that was called emotional advice, but lots of it was sexual. And then I turned on the telly this morning, and much to my horror, it was embarrassing bodies. 
I really can't watch that programme. I mean, it's people showing you bits of their bodies. I mean, you really don't want to see. They've got all sorts of illnesses, these people. I mean, dreadful, dreadful, dreadful. Anyway, we will talk about the uh, the 1P petrol cut. It is not enough. Uh, and uh, caught out by Facebook, the benefit cheap bride. Yeah, 57 grand this fat old biddy took. And because uh, she forgot to inform them, she knew exactly what she was doing. Anyway, the good news is she's gone to prison. LBC News Time, 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Malcolm says, Steve, what have penguins got to do with Christmas? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. He says, I thought they came from the South Pole. Santa Claus is from the North Pole. It's only an advert. It's only an advert. What if Nick Ferrari will remember that? Asking the question, so what the dickens have penguins got to do with Christmas? Nothing at all. They don't feature in the nativity, do they? Anybody noticed any penguins in Bethlehem? Did they pop up around the crib? No, don't think so. And Santa Claus, of course, who is, for many people, the... Uh, I mean, I don't think this advert's got anything to do with Christmas at all, apart from flogging stuff in John Lewis. It's got nothing to do with uh, nativity. got nothing to do with the birth of Christ, because, as we all know now, that's gone out the window at Christmas. I know we celebrate at Christmas, but it wasn't. It was July, wasn't it? I think if you actually check the calendar properly. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it, the, w- the way that we sort of... Uh, the way that we sort of go down these... Uh, I never thought about, actually, penguins just being from the South Pole. But they do... St- our one messed in the studio... It was lovely. They were part of a... We had a, had another thing. What did we have in it? It was a penguin and something else that clung to my microphone. I don't... And, and there was something else. Like when I went down to London Zoo, so I was very lucky to go and sit in with the meerkats. And all you do is you put mealworm in your pockets and they'll sit there ferreting through your pockets. They're absolutely delightful. Absolutely gorgeous. But you mustn't have a penguin as a gift or, a, you know, as a pet. It's not, uh, not really very practical, I'm afraid. Uh, and emperor penguins are quite big. Quite, quite, uh, quite aggressive at times. I just love the way they all huddle together. You know, if you're in the middle, it must be like, God, it's hot. On the outside, you're going, freezing, freezing out here. Uh, eight for eight five zero oh, lobster for a fiver at Iceland, says Marky. Do you think actually Peter Andre will be having lobster for Christmas? <laughs> oh God, you don't think he's still going to be going next year, do you? He can't be, can he? <laughs> Perhaps we could be saved that one. Uh, eight for eight five zero. Oh, and uh, and Jenny says, pigeons are of the dove family, birds of peace, never fight. <laughs> She's serious. He's serious. Oh, dear. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. What was your mother like, says Imogen? Oh, like most people, you know, two legs, two arms, head. <laughs> she was a very practical person. Very practical person. What was she like? When somebody says, what was your mother like? I don't know. I thought I had a great upbringing. I couldn't have had two two better parents. It's just a shame that you don't take them with you for your whole life. You know, that's it. In fact, my mother looked a bit like... Um, we used to show a picture up when we did the one-man shows. We had a, a slideshow of my mum, uh, which used to come up there, and I used to say, who do you think she looks like? She looks like the Queen. When the Queen was younger, that's what my mother looked like. Whether or not that was the generational thing, I don't, I don't know. But she did look like that. <laughs> she just did. And uh, she was a typical... Just typical mum, I suppose. She cooked. Never did ready meals. My mum cooks. Loads of you go, ready meals, Steve? Are you mad? We don't do ready meals. We just go out and cook. Uh, sorry to hear about your friends, Steve. Annoying thing is the drugs that could help them do exist, but we're not allowed them. Having raised many, many pounds over many years for cancer research, I'm annoyed about that. So we pay for the research and then get denied the, uh, the drugs. The trouble is, once we've, we've done the research, done on the drugs... It's a case of to produce them costs a fortune and the NHS will not spend the money. 
some drugs that will prolong your life. Who was I talking to the other day? Somebody said, oh, there is a, there are, are some drugs available, I think for motor neurons, and it prolongs your life by two to three, it could be two to three months. And he said, what's the point of that? What's the point of that? Just having your life prolonged for two or three months if the quality of life is not there. I had this discussion with my accountant the other day. I said, we went all over the place. And because he was really ill, and I said, you know, if ever I got to that stage where I was, where I was really ill, I would seriously think about going to Dignitas. I would seriously think about going there. If, if my quality of life was so appalling, if my quality of life had got to such that you couldn't do anything for yourself, you couldn't go to the toilet, you couldn't brush your teeth, you couldn't comb your hair, well, that one went out the window anyway for me, but, you know, you couldn't do anything, you couldn't dress yourself, and you were dependent on everybody else. What quality of life is that? That's no quality of life, is it? That's absolutely nothing at all. So I would have to consider it. He said, oh, I don't know. He said, maybe I wouldn't do that. Maybe I wouldn't do that. Which I thought was very interesting. Jane says, I hope Katie Price doesn't decide to launch another book. Well, she's got one out at the moment, hasn't she? She doesn't have nothing to do with it. Uh, if she beat you in the book charts, the shame. Well, there'd be no shame at all. Dave says, will there be an audiobook version for the blind people and will you voice it? I don't think so. They haven't mentioned an audio version. I don't think it's going to go viral, this book. <laughs> Making it sound like it's going to be the bestseller. Mind you, it'd be funny if it was. It would be funny because it is the thing. Every I keep saying to Stig... On a Sunday, could you mention my book in the sun? <laughs> Just to give it a little boost, you know. Because I think it's quite exciting. It's the sort of thing that they would actually like. I think they, they, they would actually go for that. So let's have a look through the papers, shall we? Uh, I will tell you about the 80th anniversary of Hammer. For all you film buffs, there is a London film convention taking place this weekend in central London. And they've got all the stars from the Hammer House of Horror. And uh, there'll be film memorabilia and loads of So I'll tell you about that a little bit later on. Um, what have we got in the papers today? Uh, the Yorkshire Ripper uh, says they want me to leave in a box. Yes, I'd be more than happy for you to leave in a box. There you go. I've laid my cards on the table. On the table. Sooner you die, the better. Why we've ever kept you in hospital, I've got no idea. Um, there's this story that uh, Nick Ferrari's going to be doing about the girl uh, who was hit in the lip when an officer accidentally fired a gun during a children's visit to a police headquarters. It was only a blank and it didn't hit her. It just bounced off. And that was the that was the the problem. Uh, oh look, we haven't had a, we haven't had a good story about Daniela Westbrook for ages. Well known cokehead from years ago, Danielle. If you remember, was going out with her little toy boy, Cage Fighter. Although to be honest with you, he looked like he couldn't fight with a cotton bud. And uh, so she's ditched him. She's ditched him, and the wedding's off. Oh dear. Having sold the story of her wedding being on, now she'll be selling the story of her wedding being off again. Oh dear. And she says, it's Monday, a new week, a new start, and I'm single. Feels so good. It's ridiculous. Apparently, cage fighter Tom has vowed to win her back. She's barking mad, mate. I wouldn't bother. I wouldn't bother. She says, uh, I love her to bits. So, apparently, she had a coke relapse in April. Oh, so it wasn't so, so far away as I thought it was. Waste of space, honestly. Waste of space. Uh, other story, the, um, the yob attack schoolboy seller vows to carry on. This is Callum, 15... Out there in his uniform, selling poppies, bless his heart. And he's going to start collecting again tomorrow. And no doubt there'll be a film crew going out with him. Uh, eBay. A lot of people who've got uh, poppies. Uh, there's one woman trying to flog two poppies from the Tower of London's uh, memorial on eBay. She listed one of the £25 ceramic flowers for £50 and another for £65, plus £10 postage. But auction bosses stepped in and cancelled the ad. Disgraceful. Disgraceful. That's name and shamer. A spokesman said eBay is not an appropriate venue 
for these poppies as each is a memorial to an individual British military fatality. Absolutely. Let's name the old bag. Let's name her, shall we? Dear me. And how many people complained about Alex Salmon's guy that was going to be burnt down in Lewis? I think one person. Just one person. Why do we take any notice of one person? Go away, you silly little girl's blouse. It's uh, ridiculous. Although Mr Salmon said... uh, I am used to insults from Tories in East Sussex. If they think it's a good thing to do it, up to them. Because they always burn figures, don't they? I think Katie Price was burnt one year. So, but uh, anyway, apparently it, uh, it upset. A photo of the parade tweeted by East Sussex County Council upset Anne McLaughlin. She tweeted, Can it possibly be acceptable or even legal to burn an effigy of a living person? Not part of my moral code. God help us. They're all out there, aren't they? Twitching neck curtains. What are they do? What are they doing over there? Let's have a quick look. We like twitching neck curtains, don't we? And she's probably one of those people. Can it really be morally wrong? I'm surprised that she's even uh, around. Nobody takes funerals at photographs. Rubbish. John in Kensal Rise says, go to the funeral run of the Underworld fraternity and watch the police performance. Fabulous, isn't it? I love that. I had to laugh when they, when they dragged out the craze for their mother's uh, funeral. And they found the biggest coppers that they could to chain the craze to because they were little short asses. Uh, Daz says, I was lucky enough to go to the Penguin Colony in Antarctica whilst in the army. Didn't think so at the time in the 80s. No, no. I like penguins, though. They just look funny. But this is... It's got nothing to do with Christmas. They go, it's the John Lewis Christmas ad. But to be honest with you, it's just flogging an idea that you go to their shop and buy it. So they come up with a £7 million ad. £7 million ad. That's what they came up with. And uh, and it's a stuffed penguin in there. It's all, you know, it's all fake. And as somebody's pointed out already, what's that got to do with Christmas? That doesn't feature either with Father Christmas. He didn't, I don't remember, I think he had a donkey, didn't he, Father Christmas? No, he didn't even have a donkey. I'm thinking of the nativity scene. I don't remember ever seeing on the pictures that have ever been painted of Madonna and Child of a few penguins in the background, unless they're going to sort of change that one. Picture of a boy here. Um, he's a teenager, allegedly blessing five pipe bombs. He's an 18-year-old from a sixth-form college. He looks a bit stupid. Perhaps, well, let's face it, we know there's enough stupid kids out there. Where do they get this stuff from? Internet, I suppose. I'm slightly dubious, slightly dubious, of, uh, One Direction, the first big-name stars confirmed for the Band-Aid 30th anniversary single. Oh, God. We don't want another single, thank you very much indeed. But, uh, they're now saying... That uh, it's a, a new version of Do They Know It's Christmas? Adele, Florence Welsh, um, Ed Sheeran, Sam Smith, uh, Samuel L. Jackson, all sorts of strange people. Do we really want another charity single? Thank you very much indeed. No, we don't. I don't. But uh, if they say it can work again, I don't know, are we that cynical? Will we go for it? Will they sort of assemble all these? Will it be shown on the... Probably, yeah. If they're getting very, very excited about showing the John Lewis advert and that the papers are full of that, then I suppose they're actually going to be going for that. And here's... Now, why do we apologise over this? A BBC commentator. Because, you know, if you work for the BBC, if you work for Auntie, you're not allowed to have an opinion. Not allowed to have an opinion in case it upsets some poor old soul somewhere. But he's had to (laughs) apologise. Shall I tell you what he said? Okay. This is a guy called uh, Brenner Woolley. He, he insulted Ipswich Town supporters during their 2-1 win over Wolves on Tuesday. The BBC Radio Suffolk presenter made the gaffe during half-time, thinking he was off-air. He told a colleague, I'll give you these headphones at full time so you can hear the great unwashed. And for that, somebody complained. 
saddos. It was only heard by online listeners to the club's media player. A BBC spokesman said he had apologised. <laughs> the great unwashed. I'm terribly sorry. I refer to you as the great unwashed. He's had to apologise. Oh, God, there's some sad people out there. Quarter to... S- I need to say quarter to six. Quarter to five. This is LBC. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. 12 minutes to five. At 5.30 this morning, we'll have two clips. One of uh, Torville and Dean, who could be with me this Sunday morning for In Conversation, and Michelle Rood Jr., who's going to be with me as well. Two, uh, three excellent guests. <laughs> so two excellent guests. Three excellent guests. Uh, Torville and Dean as well, because we've always wanted to talk to them. We've never had the opportunity. They've got a book out and a tour uh, where they're, they're doing an In Conversation type thing on stage. There'll be clips and stuff like that, which is really nice. And Michelle Rood Jr., who's going to be demonstrating cooking at uh, Taste of London, Winter, which is at Tobacco Lot Dock. And I think that's on the 20th to the 23rd of this month. Uh, Last year, it was absolutely heaving. Obviously, Londoners and people all over the country want to come down and watch all the big top-name chefs down there. And they cook and they demonstrate and there'll be restaurants and pubs and all sorts of lovely food and things like that, which I know you enjoy. The the producer is uh, looking forward to going down there himself, actually, I believe. Uh, Rapper Dappy turned up in court with his bag packed for prison, but sparked fury by dodging a jail term again. I mean, his, his, his rap sheet, uh, he got a community order in 2005 for having a bladed weapon, <coughs> excuse me, in public, 2007, 40 hours community service for shoving a taxi driver, 2008, four weeks jail suspended for 12 months for spitting at two women, disgusting person, Feb 2013, six months suspended jail community service, £6,500 compensation for assault and affray in Guildford. June 2014, £800 fine for slapping a clubber in Chelmsford. And November 2014, two months jail suspended for a year after a Reading club attack. He turned up with his bags ready to go to prison and they gave him suspended again. What in God's name is going on in the courts? I mean, it's just ridiculous. He had been expecting a spell inside. He's quite clearly a bit simple in the head. It's ridiculous. Outside, he says, I feel amazing. It's a brand new me. Yeah, if only it wasn't. If only it wasn't. Look away now. Look away. Fingers and ears. Not if you're driving. Please, not if you're driving. Bit dangerous, that one. The the star of the big Christmas ad, the John Lewis Christmas ad, is, is not real. Okay, it's made up. Made up. It's not even a real penguin. They've just sort of made it up. It's just... A toy, okay. I'll ruin that for you now. It's only an advert for John Lewis. Only an advert. Nothing like that at all. Doesn't uh, you know? Not going to get too excited about it. I found my first swindler of the day. I'll tell you about the other one a bit later on. But this is a teenager who raked in two thousand pounds from kindly BlackBerry Messenger users by inventing sob stories, including that she had a daughter who died. This is Katie Ringer. She's childless. Never had any children. She's a lying, fat, bloated old cow. And here she is. She claims she had no money for the funeral. I mean, beggars belief that somebody could actually make this up. Other lies included giving birth to a premature baby and being mum to starving children. She used photos of strangers' kids in her scams. Mum Laurie Anderson found pictures have been taken from her Facebook profile. She said she's sick in the head. Ringer of Norwich admitted fraud. She was bailed to be sentenced later. Uh. Sergeant Tracy Butt said outside Basildon Crown Court in Essex, her behaviour is despicable. Lock the old bag up. Lock her up. You piece of filth, honestly. Katie Ringer, she might live next door to you. 
Start pelting her with rotten eggs and tomatoes and everything else and shouting things at her. Uh, talking of shouting things at her, I didn't know until about a year ago what Tinder was. I had no idea, but I gather it's a dating app. And what you do is you go on it and you find people who are like-minded. I'm trying to do this as carefully as possible, because I don't know enough about it. Uh, and people go on to Tinder and they cruise the... Uh, the website, I suppose it is, and they find people who want sex. OK? I don't think they're looking for sort of, you know, any cosy sitting in front of the fire or going shopping in John Lewis. Um, and so they go there, but they say, be very careful, because there's a lot of prostitutes using Tinder. And uh, you might find yourself being a bit ripped off, so be very, very careful. Do you know there are 450 million profiles on the network? The average user logs on 11 times in one day and spends 90 minutes cruising suitors. Good Lord. Heavens above. It beats standing in a pub, I suppose, doesn't it? Why should you bother standing in a pub having to go, hello, how are you, and trying to win people over with your personality when you can lie online, like that ghastly old bag that we found this morning, Katie Ringer. Oh, I tell you, you're getting it, love. You're getting it. Ooh, once they find you and drag you out screaming. How can people do it? How can people do it? It's amazing. Uh, Dan says, oh, look, Steve Allen, so you want to be a celebrity? Good grief. Wow. Required reading for watchers and wannabes alike. This is your essential guide to one of the most bonkers aspects of modern British life. That's exciting, isn't it? I'm on Waterstones. <laughs> it says here, like, oh, I quite like this, actually. I think I might go and buy it. They say here, not in stock, usually dispatched in uh, three to five days, but uh, it's pre-order. Isn't that good? Wow. They, they also say, because I say in the book, for a lot of these celebrities, it's a case of rags to riches and then back to rags again, because I've lost track of how many people earn a small fortune and then, and then really stick two fingers up to you by saying, oh, I haven't got the money, I'm not going to pay my, uh, my tax. And you think, well, I'm sorry, I'm not going to buy into your lifestyle either. I like the idea. Thank you, Dan. I'm very excited by that. My claim to fame, I'm in Waterstones. <laughs> oh, dear. I get over that. The excitement of it. Uh, this year, says Warren, we're staging the 1940s Big Band Blitz for the Mayor's Charities. It's the 22nd of November at York House in Twickenham. And what they do, they have a live band, the John Bennett Big Band, guest showbiz singers. Or you could just sit back and watch the entertainment. Uh, you can get tickets uh, from Ticket Web. Or on the door, if still available on the night. Door 6.30 for 7.30, start finishes about 11pm. So that's nice. The Big Band Blitz. I know there's lots of you who like the Big Band Blitz and like dressing up as the, as the 40s. In fact, I know quite a number of people who do that, and they do it very well indeed. So that's a good one. That's a nice thing to do, isn't it? And uh, the mayor raises money. She's down there, actually. We have a craft fair in Twickenham on Monday and Tuesday uh, at Max Diner. And it's local people who exhibit and sell things. And the mayor's down there as well. She sells, uh, she sells some stuff, which is good, isn't it? It's nice. Uh, Mari says, I pre-ordered your book through Booktopia. God, blimey. Am I on sale everywhere, ladies and gentlemen? God, at this rate, we could outsell Jordan. What? I'm on sale anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds a bit likely, doesn't it, really, I suppose. I'm quite excited. Uh, 84850. Harry's still in Ghana. Well, somebody's got to be Harry. Uh, and, um, I saw the Fulford father 
in Shaftesbury a while back. Noticed him because he was a vision in tweed and shabby cords, says Stuart. I know, he's also got the worst teeth you've ever seen in your entire life. They're like tombstones inside there. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Can't believe I'm Waterstones. I'm so excited. And um, we had the pleasure of meeting this little beauty. Somebody sent me a picture. Dana sent me a picture of... Oh, look, look, it's a meerkat. I love meerkats. They're so cute. They're so cute. And uh, we managed to get the girls behind-the-scenes session with the zookeepers at Chessington. Met a bear cat, too, whose fur was like a toilet brush and the scent of popcorn. Chessington have to take the uh, little things off male meerkats. They're having a bonking frenzy. I do like them, though. I just love the way that they're so organised. You know, that they'll all sort of rush around and then two or three of them will be on guard duty. When you go to London Zoo, you see them there. Every time a plane goes over, they're all watching. They're all watching in case it's going to land. (laughs) <laughs> which I find absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. I just And you think, that'd be nice. And then you think, oh, not really. You don't want anything like that as a pet, do you? Uh, Glenn says, it'd be a great Christmas present if Peter Sutcliffe uh, dies. And Malcolm saw a live vasectomy on this morning. Well, they've not done Philip Schofield, have they? Have they done Philip Schofield as a live vasectomy? They do the oddest things, don't they? The oddest things on the television. Um, and... Da, 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 uh, will you ask Des O'Connor about the guitar Buddy Holly gave him? Mm-hmm. Kevin says, I bet Dappy was hoping for a spell inside to raise his street cred. And uh, Oliver says, the Victorians used to take photos of dead loved ones. Before the funeral, they dressed them in their Sunday best and posed them sitting on a chair. They do that. Um, they do that. Which country do they do that in? Is it Mexico? Where you can have people dressed up. If they were a gangster, they sort of have them dressed up. And they're looking realistic. The fact that they're, they're dead, of course, is is a bit... It's a bit odd, I suppose. But they have Day of the Dead in Mexico. We don't do that. We don't do that. Uh, 84850, oh, steve at uk. Clive says, my God, you can talk for England. I hope so. I get paid for that. So, it'd be a bit pointless if you turned onto a speech radio station and the presenter was mute or didn't say very much at all. So we, have, we only have two and a half hours and we have to try and cram it in as quickly as possible, you know, because we've got loads of things to tell you about. This London Film Convention, because we celebrate... I don't know if you've ever seen, if you're over a certain age, you would have seen Hammer Films. The Hammer Studio was, was very, very busy for a certain period, and they, they produced all sorts of things. Not just Hammer Films all the time, but there were lots of other films that went mainstream. But it was the Hammer House of Horror. And so at the 80th anniversary, this coming Saturday, I think it is, down at Central Hall, Westminster, that's Parliament Square... OK, Parliament Square. I've hosted events there for uh, many, many years. And so that's Stories Gate. And they've got all sorts of uh, people going down. This is the 40th year of the film fair. 40th year. And they've got uh, classic Hollywood. They've got sci-fi. They've got posters. They've got all sorts of things. And uh, a who's who of all the Hammer people. And so they've got directors and a whole cast of people like George Cole, Caroline Munro, Madeline Smith, Freddie Jones, Michael Medwin, Stephanie Beecham, Julian Glover, Isla Blair, Anna Karen. They're all going to be down there. Jeffrey Bailden, Dave Prowse, who played Darth Vader, is going to be down there as well. And uh, Stuart Riding, who's the events manager, will be there, no doubt. The London Film Convention is taking place this Saturday between ten and six. Coming up to the news at five. A good thing to do if you're not doing anything on on Saturday. Uh, warning over a killer winter bug. 
<clears throat> just when I'm sort of desperately trying to get over the cough and people keep saying to me, go to the doctor. I said, listen, they've got better things to do than worry about me. The campaign to keep the poppies longer, the male are running with it now. They've picked up and run with the baton. But the Tower have said, no, 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 they're going. Little staff banned from speaking Polish. Only English, please. Hypocrite Russell Brand again. A night of controversy. Oh, yes, let's, let's down with the rich, says a man with a £12.5 million fortune. The American town to tax fizzy drinks and fat coffees. And the war veteran robbed of his life savings by a thief that he took pity on. Oh, and a new Band-Aid record. You couldn't make it up. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. That and more is next. On FM. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, a pretty nice to be company. It's Friday. We should be uh, jumping up and down and going, whoopee, whoopee. But it's cold and it's miserable and it's wet and it's windy and it's sweeping across the country. And just to add to that, there's the warning over a killer winter bug. If you didn't think my cough was bad enough, we're all going to be infected. The legal staff banned from speaking Polish. I think they have a similar scheme operating in Starbucks. All Polish girls in there, but they're not allowed to speak Polish. They must only speak English. The campaign to keep the poppies on longer. The tower said, nope, they're going, because they're all owned by somebody. Uh, more on Lord Lucan. They're getting a bit... I really couldn't care less about Lord Lucan. It's another book that they're trying to sell. And caught out by Facebook, the benefit cheap bride. We name and shame on LBC. Nice to be company as well. I hope you're, uh, hope you're well. Looking forward to the weekend. I wouldn't get too excited. The weather's going to be absolutely dire. We're going to really suffer with it. And uh, when I was standing waiting for the car this morning, I thought, <coughs> here we go. It's going to be miserable, cold and wet. And then I thought, do you know, it doesn't matter. We've had this for years. I don't know why I'm getting excited now at my age about, you know, how bad the weather can be. What, I mean, how bad can it be? If you're, if you're a kid, you can't wait for the weekend. It's fantastic. It's lovely. Christmas is around the corner. And there's Christmas music playing and the lights have started going up and Cheryl Fernandez's uh, sticky toffee pudding uh, spag bowl uh, turned on the lights there, which is all very exciting. Bit of a bit of an achievement, I think, to actually find the switch and turn it on. And there she was pulling lots of funny faces. Bit of a gurning moment, I thought. And uh, hundreds of people went, yeah, lovely. She's turned on a switch. Uh, wearing a very funny... She didn't seem to make any difference. She obviously hadn't bothered doing her hair. She just tied it back in the Croydon facelift. I thought she'd be looking sort of glamorous, but of course she didn't, because it's all done for the television. And if you saw what she looks like on the television out in real life, you'd be going, oh, not so good now. Lots of sort of hair moving forward, and so we don't go behind or anything like that. Anyway, so, uh, so that was all done. People say it's too early. The Christmas ads are running. And I can't believe the excitement over a stuffed penguin... In the John Lewis adverts. I really can't get excited. They spent £7 million on an advert. Nothing to do with Christmas. Penguins aren't anything to do with Christmas. They're to do with snow, but, I mean, how many times are we... In fact, last year was a bit dismal for snow, and that's what people want, isn't it? We do want a bit of snow to make it look Christmassy. And yet, strangely enough, I don't remember there being any in Bethlehem at that time. So it's obviously only us that goes, we'd like snow. And, of course, in Australia, they never have snow or anything. They've had freak, freak hailstorms, but they haven't had anything else. And it's a case of, 
you know, well, it's hot, and it, but Christmas has got to be cold. That's the whole idea about it, isn't it? You've got to see trees groaning under the weight of snow on the branches. I love things like that. But unless you're living up in Scotland or Yorkshire, there's very little chance. But I think this year could be a bit of a change. I think this year we're going to get a harsh winter. It's going to be very, very cold and very, very icy, and you'll need to batten down the hatches. But that's what we want for Christmas. So we spent time talking about an advert, which is to publicise a shop, which has got nothing to do with Christmas. It's about two stuffed penguins. And so now, I think one of the papers says, you know, all the things you wanted to know about the advert. I didn't want to know anything about the advert. It's just an advert on the television. I mean, so, you know, we might as well say, well, if we're as excited about that, Iceland with Peter Andre would be equally as exciting. But, of course, you know it wouldn't be. Coming up at uh, half past this morning, I've got uh, two clips for you. Two clips of two of the guests who are going to be with me, well, three of the guests, for In Conversation this Sunday morning, because every Sunday morning between 5 and 6 a.m., I have my In Conversation programme, where we talk to some uh, lovely celebrities about what they're doing, what they get up to. And this week, it's Torval and Dean, and it's... Um, who's the other one? Oh, Michelle Rue. Michelle Rue Jr., who is going to be in the studio as well. So that's between five and six, and then I'm live between six and eight looking at the Sunday papers. And then the In Conversation programme is repeated at night. So just after Clive Bull and just before Duncan Barks comes along, I'm slotted into the middle. And uh, very grateful I am too to be slotted anywhere. So that's for this week, and we'll have a couple of clips for you just about half past, just after the news at half past, so you know exactly what they're going to be talking about, which is great. I've got you on pre order, says Eileen, from Amazon. Amazing, free delivery too. Released on the 8th of January. I seem to be uh, pre-ordered everywhere now, including Waterstones. So thank you, Dan, for telling me that. I didn't even know. I didn't know anything about that at all. I think that's quite great that they've done a nice write-up about it. Essential reading for anybody who wants to be a celebrity. So you want to be a celebrity. Uh, I always remember, says Dave, in the milk tray advert, that the man would always leave a calling card on top of the box of chocolates before going back out the window. I know, you'd think he'd use the door, wouldn't you? He used to dive out of the window. Didn't he dive from a helicopter and then, you know, carry this box of chocolates? How, we have no idea. And then, and the slogan was, at the end, and all because the lady loves milk tray. I've tried milk tray, it's very dull. There are much nicer chocolates out there than milk tray. But we were taken by the, taken by the advert. I was fascinated by the advert. Um, thank you, Junior. I wish I had signed pictures. I don't. You have to lift one off the internet. You have to uh, lift one off the internet. That's the only way that we did it for this, uh, for this other lady. Uh, Ian says, Tokyo bound. Glad the app works out there. This is the LBC app. You go to lbc.co.uk. And that means that when we have the free podcast which we do most days, uh, it downloads straight to your phone, which is good, which is good. So that's nice, isn't it? And we have another podcast. In fact, if you check out the LBC website, there's all sorts of uh, things on there, which are, which are lovely. Lots of pictures of me, lots of pictures of all the other presenters. I mean, they're not as attractive as I am. In fact, actually, I think my, my photo on there was possibly the most flattering picture I've ever seen myself. Uh, weather for today, rain clearing, scattered showers, mainly dry overnight, and then outbreaks of rain heavy at times, clearer conditions spreading in during the morning, bright or sunny spells, as well as scattered squally showers. Squally showers, there's a word you don't hear very often. I've got some more words and phrases. Golly gosh. Nobody says golly gosh anymore. Crikey. Who says crikey anymore? Nobody at all. Uh, tonight, oh, the temperature today, about 13 degrees, I can offer you. Tonight, generally dry with some clear spells, especially in the north of the region. Scattered heavy showers, still likely. Mainly over southern coastal counties, remaining quite breezy. And Saturday, sunny spells, few showers in the morning, becoming cloudy in the afternoon with rain, heavy at times. And I think for, uh, for Sunday, 
it's going to be roughly the same. It's not good, is it? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We can, we can live with these things. Howard says, your book's also available at WH Smith Online. Oh, it can't be. This is just going to be ridiculous. You're telling me next I'll be, uh, I'll be on sale in Hamleys or something like that. <laughs> I like the idea, though. It's, it's quite appealing. Quite appealing. Uh, Lee's in dreary Northwich. Oh, dear. I'm so, I don't know anything about Northwich, actually. I really, I really don't know anything about Northwich. I thought you were going to say something like Norfolk, and I don't know enough about Norfolk, apart from um, I've been up there a few times. Um, I did see the photo of Ed Miliband giving money to a beggar. Uh, I didn't catch the Holloway Prison documentary. Uh, well worth seeing. And, uh, and somebody else says, uh, I fell asleep, and then I woke again, up again at four o'clock just to catch the Steve Allen show. See? That's what I like. That's what I like. Wait, I've lost my little mouse here. Where's that gone? Oh, blimey. Oh, it's there. God, blimey. Sometimes, you know, you're sort of, you're moving the thing about the... Co- I can't believe that all these, all these years ago we didn't have computers in the studio and you didn't have access to uh, everything that is available on the computer. And so now, now you do. Now you do. I've got a scam story for you. This is uh, a woman here. She's a benefit fraudster. And her name is Wendy Cooper. Uh, she's a crook, and she's gone to prison, and so she should have done. Uh, she claims she was a single mum. She's a liar. It goes to prove how easy this must be. There must be thousands of these people out there. But luckily, Wendy Cooper got housing, council tax benefits, income support between the years 2004 to 2013. How much did she get? £57,000. I mean, it is absolutely amazing. She was rumbled, and only rumbled... After investigators spotted a photo of her online marrying a delivery driver, they found the mum of three of Coventry had five jobs during her nine-year con, including one at the council. She first made legitimate claims. She got eight months after admitting 21 counts of failing. She fiddled 57,000. You know, nurses have been having pay held back and they can't overlook it, so they sent her to prison. I believe they said she's paid back £400 so far, you thieving old woman. Rot in prison, these people. Honestly, I tell you, it's just absolutely disgusting how people do it. You know, they're more than happy to watch people die and for nurses to go, can we get a bit more money for the work that we do? No, because a thieving old benefit fraudster like Wendy Cooper has been fraudulently taking money. We had a couple the other day. Didn't even speak English. They had to have a translator in court to convict them of fraud. They're going to prison, and I hope they'll rot in there as well. And they've got £134,000. Do you know, either we've got the stupidest staff working in the benefits office, and they don't check anybody, or it's that easy to fiddle. These people, the way that they got away with their 134000 they changed their name. They just put in another name, Singh, or something like that. And, uh, and all of a sudden, it's a case of... You know, that's that's how they got away with it. And then all of a sudden somebody checks and they go, actually, that's not their name at all. The only reason they found it wasn't their name is they checked with India. And they found out that they didn't exist. So that's when they knew they were lying through their teeth. And then they go, oh, I don't speak any English. So they had to bring interpreters in. But luckily, you know, going to prison, I think, means the same in, in most languages. Uh, my husband says crikey all the time. Says Mel, listening in Madrid. Hola. James O'Brien says crikey all the time, does he? James O'Brien says crikey. And, uh, and Julie says, did you see Jade Goody's horrible mother on this morning? 
She um, used the, f- the F word. She's selling Jade's toys because she's broke. Yeah, she's been sitting back doing nothing for ages. She's worked as a hairdresser, but, of course, the reason she can't work is because, you know, she's on medication. Anyway, the people at the disability side have decided, no, you're perfectly capable of working, you old fraudster. Get out there and work. This is a woman who used to sell drugs in front of Jade when she was a baby. I mean, small wonder the girl ended up the way she did. And uh, so they stick her on television now because she's got a few of Jade's toys. I hasten to hold my hands up, ladies and gentlemen, and tell you who under God's earth is going to be remotely interested in a few of Jade's toys, unless they're antiques, which I think they're not. So why would you be remotely interested? The answer is, she says, I'm broke. She was given £20,000 by Jade in the will, and she's been on benefits. But, of course, she's now broke. So they've said, well, we're we're cutting your benefits. You know, you're perfectly capable. People with one arm are perfectly capable of getting a job. Okay, and that's what you should do, Jackie. Sponges are not welcome on this programme. Thank you very much indeed. You won't want to miss it. Nick Ferrari with you from seven this morning on LBC. But Phone Farage is back. He'll be in at nine o'clock live in the studio to take your calls. I bet you've got loads to ask him. Uh, Plus an exclusive LBC poll giving a shocking insight into how voters feel about the coalition. Nick will have the latest from Nottinghamshire after a girl was injured when a police gun was accidentally fired. It was with a blank. And uh, looking at the paper today, Andrew Pearce, consultant editor of the Daily Mail, who's actually got a piece in the mail today about the gay bakery cake. Do you remember the gay bakery? This one rumbled on yesterday, didn't it? Because they're taking it further. This is the gay couple who went to a bakery in Northern Ireland and they asked them to do this thing on the front, you know, gay marriage is the best and all the rest of it. And because they were Christian bakers, they've said, no, we're not. And so the gay couple then went, right, we're taking you to court because that's discrimination. And so then it rumbled on for a bit, then it disappeared and now it's resurfaced again. And they said that they are going to probably go to court over it. All over a cake. It's a bit odd, isn't it? It's like the... People, as we said the other day, the people who own the bed and breakfasts who didn't want gay couples staying there. They didn't say that in their advert because that would be blatant discrimination. They waited till they got there. Because when you phone up, you don't, no, nobody ever says to you, sorry, would that be a man and a woman? You know, you booked a double bedroom and uh, the name is Smith. OK, is that Mr and Mr Smith or Mr and Mrs Smith? Because if it's Mr and Mr, we don't want you. And so they, uh, they did, and then they, they lost out and they got, you know, bombarded with all sorts of Twitter trolls and everything else and people saying, oh, you know, you're discriminatory, you're homophobic, and they go, no, we're not. And you think, yes, you are. They go, no, we're not. And you go, yes, you are. There's a courting couple who went to Torbay on holiday. I have got a thing about British summer resorts. I've got a thing about going to places like Bournemouth and Eastbourne and, oh, Littlehampton and... Places like that. I don't know why it's a childhood thing, but this couple loved it so much in 1969 that they've been back now 170 times. Now, this is nothing new as far as I'm concerned. I've heard of couples who go abroad and they go to, say, Spain and they've been to a hotel and they love it so much they go back every single year. They know all the staff, they know everybody. And I think that's quite sweet. I know I've spoken to people before and they said, oh, what, the same place? They go, yeah, because they love it. They know what the food is like. They like the the hotel. People like it. And this couple like Torbay. Uh, Alan Lazenby and his wife, June, 71 and 62, have averaged four trips a year to the Devon Resort, uh, each time staying in a static caravan. (laughs) Now, before you knock it, there's something nice about staying in a static caravan. They've already booked four trips for 2015, with three more in the planning stages. And uh, Alan says, he comes from Woking, 
It was love at first sight when we first visited all those years ago. They've celebrated many milestones, including their honeymoon and 25th anniversary. They have stayed five times a year at the Beverly Holiday Park in Paynton. Oh, nice. You see, I think that's quite a good thing. I think that's really sweet. I think that is really, really sweet. I think that's... that's just, if it makes them happy, who are we to deny them? Who are we to deny them? As a feature in the paper today uh, about uh, MPs debating a ban on performing animals. And uh, this is... Um, I mean, the only big cat act in Britain, as far as I know, is presented by Thomas Chipperfield. Uh, that's the only one that I know of. And these are people who train wild animals. If you go to Las Vegas, this is considered quite normal. If you go to Las Vegas and Siegfried and Roy for many years, they had their wild animals on stage. Lions, tigers, elephants, alligators, snakes, everything. Everything. Nobody ever picketed the show or complained about it. And yet, when we get a few circuses in this country, and they are a few circuses, very few and far between, very few and far between, because most of the animal trainers go abroad. Because they're a bit more liberal about about circuses. They seem to uh, enjoy seeing wild animals. I mean, I've seen wild animals in circuses. When I was growing up, I went to see Bertram Mill Circus at Olympia. And I've seen a few other uh, animals in circuses. But is it any different between a wild animal bred in captivity and a budgie, for example, or horses or dogs, which is what people use, or doves or pigeons? They use all sorts of... I mean, should we just do away with animals completely and just say there are going to be no more animals in circuses? I think it's. I think it would be a sad day, a very sad day, because sometimes the animals... Out, I mean, if ever you've seen dogs playing football in a circus, they absolutely love it. They love it. And if you've ever watched Norman Barrett's Budgie Act... They're, they're, they're the funniest things you've ever said. Perhaps we shouldn't even be laughing at animals. Perhaps I, should, I feel a bit guilty even saying that to you now. Uh, Downton is back. You'll be delighted to know it's back for a new series next year. So for millions of you Downton fans out there, you'll be very, very happy that, yes, it is coming back. A top private school has uh, put a ban on pupils after illicit drinking. This is Seven, Seven Oaks School in Kent. Founded in 1432, it costs... £32,000 a year to send uh, a child, and they've suspended more than 40 pupils. One source claimed that 45 students faced disciplinary action following alcohol and cannabis use. However, the school denied there'd been any drug involvement. It's just the booze. And uh, this is people a 11 to 18. So I don't know how you feel about booze in schools now. We'd be uh, naive, wouldn't we, if we thought that young people didn't didn't drink booze. You see it on a Saturday night, and you know why you see it, because you can see there's lots of little corner shops that will more than happily sell booze to somebody, and they buy little bottles of vodka, and then they pour it into a bottle of Coca-Cola. And that's what they do, and then they take that around, and nobody ever thinks, oh, they're actually drinking alcohol. But they are at an early age. We've seen boozed-up Britain pictures in all of the papers. They've been there for years and years now. It's nothing new, and it's probably, probably getting worse. Probably getting worse. Uh, 84850, John in Manly Beach. He says, Cheryl, sticky toffee pudding, spag bowl. It's because I can't be bothered to sort of call her Mrs. Versace, Vassini, spag bowl, whatever it is. I'm really not remotely interested. It's, uh, I just think, actually, the more I think about her, her wedding, I, I have thought about it often. Uh, I always think that he was a nobody before, but a bit of a playboy. And he's, uh, he was just known for picking up models. That's all he did. He picked up models and he had a good time, but he wasn't really known. All of a sudden, because he's with her, he's now known. 
because she's got his name. He does, I think, a pop-up restaurant in Cannes or something like that. And I'm beginning to wonder whether or not they, they got married just to up his profile. Because her family can't... Oh, sorry, his family can't be that thrilled. I'm sorry, she's from where? Is she from a titled family? No, she's not really, no. All oh, right. What is she? Not too sure on that one. We don't really know what the answer is. Turkeys are voting for Christmas. Not. Of course, turkeys don't don't know, do they? What's about to happen to them as they get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and the country's insatiable appetite for turkey at Christmas. I don't know why we used to have goose. Goose. Nobody ever had turkey for Christmas. It's a recent thing. And uh, all of a sudden, Bernard Matthews kind of turned the poor, humble turkey around and it became the thing to have for Christmas. It became the food we had to have. We have to have certain things. I don't know where it stemmed from. I don't know where we ever got pigs in blankets from. Who ever came up with wrapping a piece of bacon round a little pork sausage? Who came up with sprouts? Who came up with that ghastly thing called bread sauce? Ugh, ugh, ugh. Stuffing. There's more exotic stuffings out there. I can think of a... Anyway. Um, there's more exotic stuffings out there than you can put into your turkey. You can shake a stick at. You could spend a small fortune at Christmas. Who can eat Christmas pudding? Nobody. Sherry trifle. That's the thing we liked, isn't it? We like the custard, we like the jelly, we like the fruit, we like the pipe cream, and maybe some hundreds and thousands thrown over the top or sort of something that says Merry Christmas. Mince pies, you can eat those practically all year round now, especially if they've got booze in. And people love it. People spend a small fortune on Christmas. Dan was telling us the other day that for his, uh, his girls, uh, they have spent a small fortune because people like to spend money. And I think it's, it's not because they had loads of presents as kids. I think it's possibly the opposite. If you didn't have very much as, as, as a child, and I don't think, I'm, I never felt deprived by Christmas at all. I never thought that my parents were stinting on a Christmas present. But on the other hand, I didn't know anything about money. I had no idea what, what money was worth. Now I know what money's worth and I know what people want for Christmas. And to be brutally honest with you, unless they're a very young child, they want cash. They want money that they can do what they want with. I mean, I think gone are the days of giving somebody a gift voucher. I, I have heard of people giving gift vouchers before. It's not the best thing. It's not the best thing to give somebody. I used to say that if, if somebody gave you a gift voucher, it was a bit unimaginative. Whereas I think perhaps a voucher for an off-licence would be quite nice for Christmas. But then most people have got all their stuff in, haven't they? Some people start stockpiling. People join Christmas clubs. And they go there and, they, and they, every week they pay in some money. A friend of mine used to do it in the, in the local butcher. And they, every week they would go in and stick a few quid on it. So by the time they got to Christmas, they had quite a few hundred pounds. And then they could buy their booze and they could buy their, uh, their food and, and everything else. And that's how they spread the cost over the year. Some people just go to some of the big supermarkets, order all the Christmas food. And yes, Warren, I am on, on Christmas Day. I am on, on Christmas Day between 7 and 10. That'll be the time that we'll be sorting out, you know, how long's the turkey been in the oven? Because why do we eat so late on Christmas Day? I'm starving by 12 to 1 o'clock. Absolutely starving. Today, I'm going to be eating a little bit earlier. Because I've get, because it's Friday. Because Friday is, is the start, as far as I'm concerned, of my weekend. So I get all day today off and all day tomorrow and then I'm back in on Sunday. And so I like to try and eat at a normal time today. But I don't eat twice a day. I don't, I don't know how anybody could ever eat twice a day. So some people, many of you getting up now, will have your breakfast and then you'll have lunch and then you'll have tea or dinner or whatever you want to call it or you'll go out for dinner with, with friends. I couldn't eat three times a day if my life depended on it. I seriously couldn't. So if I eat at lunchtime, that is the only time I'm going to be eating. I don't then go, oh, I think I'll have something else to eat now. 
I went through a phase of a Friday was sort of a bit of a treat for me. It was takeaway Chinese. Well, I've not had takeaway Chinese for ages and ages. I've got, I've got more into eating sort of most peculiar stuff at the moment. I don't know where it's coming from. I've got into noodles. Noodles, I ask you. The most boring, bland food you could ever discover, ladies and gentlemen. LBC News Time. It's 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Friday. I can't believe how excited I am about Friday. Dreadful weather outside and yet still very, very excited. Uh, this weekend, in conversation, every weekend, and you can download as well, and there's every star in the living firmament, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this weekend... No different. My first guest, or guests, should I say, are a pair of Brits who've been voted into the top ten sporting moments of all time, thanks to a certain dance, to Bolero, in Sarajevo in 1984. They're known to modern audiences as well for helping train a wide range of celebrities for the Dancing on Ice programme. That's former British, European, Olympic and world champion ice dancers, Torville and Dean. They've got a, an autobiography. And Torville and Dean, Our Life on Ice, coincides with a national theatre tour. So when they came into the studio, I asked them if at the young ages of just eight and ten, the sport came naturally to them. Yeah, I mean, I went on a school trip and I just, I obviously had a natural feeling of balance because I, you know, I wasn't hanging on to the barrier. I could feel the edges <laughs> and, you know, I just enjoyed the movement that the skating had and the gliding. And then I used to watch a lot of people. I used to watch good skaters and try and copy them. Um, I learned a lot by just watching other people. I got a pair of ice skates for Christmas. And really? like Jane says, um, my, my um, stepmother had been a recreational skater when she was young. And then together with my dad, they're kind of ballroom dancers, kind of. And they just wanted, I lived in a small village. Uh, half an hour out of town so half an hour could also mean two hours because the transport wasn't that great if you're yeah. going to get a bus it was like once every two or three hours to get into the city so um they took me skating um but i got the skates for christmas but we didn't go to the rink for two weeks so i just walked around the house for two weeks in my <laughs> skates <laughs> but i knew the minute i walked in there you know the smell the look the white ice from that moment on i i, I kind of realise that I'm, I'm going to be coming here a lot. Very revealing. Such a nice couple. Seriously, you can understand why they had a bit of a fling. Um, because it's it's very intimate, what they do. So, Torville and Dean, my first guest this weekend for In Conversation, repeated at nine o'clock on Sunday evening. My second guest, French-English two-star Michelin chef at Le Gavroche, possibly most well-known for his role as the expert judge on TV's MasterChef celebrity chef, Michel Roux Jr. He joined me in the studio to tell me all about the taste of London Winter Food Festival, and I asked him about whether or not the festival would be suitable for somebody like me, who can't actually be bothered to cook. Yeah, but then you see, that's ideal. You go there, you stock up on, on lots of charcuterie and stuff that you don't need to cook. Or, charcuterie? Or charcuterie, yeah, that sounds nice. That sounds it? fantastic, I want some of that. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can do all your, your shopping as well. It's Christmas shopping, because it's perfect. But there, there's also bakeries, you know, there. There's, there's a, you know, a whole ream of, of different kind of foods on offer. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, like you said, there are, there are chefs that are doing cooking demos, myself included, right. and, and Monica as well, and various other, you know, chefs, uh, I think... Uh, um, another French chef, uh, Raymond Blanc, will be oh, there. Whatever happened to him, honestly? <laughs> what did he ever achieve anything? He bought that little manoir place. I said, it'll never work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it'll never work. Oh, dear God. <laughs> but, that is th but it is the thing now, isn't it? Chefs are, chefs are hot property. Chefs are big business. People are fascinated by cooking programmes on the television. And what, what, what you're basically doing is taking your craft 
out to the masses, whereas before we never saw you. Chefs stayed in the kitchen. You know, b- being front of house as well as back of house, like myself, my mm. father and uncle always did it. I mean, they opened the restaurant in 1967, and they were always meeting and greeting their customers. And I think, you know, that's, that's, that's a personal touch. It's wanting to be the perfect host, and that's very important to me, anyway, in my eyes. Fascinating man. Second time he's come in to talk about uh, food. And each time he comes in, I learn something new. This time I I went for the other angle because I didn't know how a kitchen operated. We've seen it on the television when you've seen Gordon Ramsay shouting at people and you've seen everybody else there. And I said, what do you like in the kitchen? I said, are you tough? He said, yeah. Yeah, you have to be because it's it all rests on you. So when the order comes in, he, he literally takes me through exactly how the kitchen operates from the time that order comes in to who does what. Michelle Rue Jr. taking part in Taste of London Winter Food Festival at Tobacco Dock from the 20th to the 23rd of November here in London. And uh, there'll be coachloads of you coming down, I know, because there's all the all the top chefs are there. I think Raymond Blanc is there as well. And there's about 30 other people. There's lots of companies represented. Lots of There's no excuse. We're all fascinated by food. I eat it. But only once a day. The more I keep thinking about that, I keep thinking... Who in their right mind could actually manage two meals a day, lunch and dinner? Perhaps it's because of my lifestyle, I don't know. But once a day, as they say, is more than enough for me. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, So, Torville and Dean and Michelle Rue Jr., both with me for In Conversation this Sunday on LBC. If you can't manage to catch it first thing in the morning between 5 and 6 on Sunday morning, then it's between 9 and 10. So for foodie lovers and fans of Torville and Dean, it's your week this week, Des O'Connor's going to come in. I'm going to record Des O'Connor next week. Shirley Bassey has been confirmed as well. So I'm looking forward to Shirley Bassey coming in. She's got a new album out. Uh, Catherine Tate is coming in next week. And fans of Michael Ball, he's in as well. So uh, when they're in town, they're dropping into LBC, which is, uh, which is good news. Somebody says, have you not noticed James O'Brien saying crikey? I've never heard him saying crikey. I've known him for years. I've ne- Perhaps I should... Um, Perhaps I should just have to check out more things. Um, uh, one here. Oh, somebody's also uh, uh, come up with a, a website on why we eat turkey on Christmas Day. <laughs> uh, eight for eight five zero. Oh. Yeah, the same for Christmas, Steve. Says Martin as to where traditions come from. Could be said for Easter. Where did it go from somebody being nailed to a cross to a bunny rabbit giving out chocolate eggs? I know. It's the penguins, though, isn't it? This is the this is the uh, the gripe I've got at the moment. Penguins in the John Lewis Christmas ad. What the dickens have they got to do with Christmas? Nothing at all. Nothing at all. I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, eight four eight five zero. Oh, Chris in Essex says I've just ordered your book. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> I've got free post and a free box of crayons. <gasps> oh dear. There you go. Eight four eight five zero. Steve at lbc dot co dot uk. Kevin the milkman says out delivering the scattered scrawny shower. Steve and as for the Christmas weather, dry and warm, please. As I'm not good on the snow as I used to be, and I don't bounce like I used to. And if anything happened to me, I would miss the magic circle on New Year's Day. It is true, and you don't want to miss that. Here's a sad story. I don't like doing sad stories. This is a uh, a guy called Ken Dawson. Ken is 89. He's got campaign medals. And uh, he took jobless Paul Young under his wing after he was caught stealing from the till at a social club. Former rifleman Mr Dawson lent Young, 53, 53, £3,000 for a car and paid for his meals. In return... Young's helped him with his weekly shop because Mr Dawson struggles to walk. 
but Young's used Mr Dawson's bank card to steal £150 a week from his savings over four months, a total of £1,800. He actually stole from the man who helped him, and so he's been sent to prison. Uh, The great-grandfather, Mr Dawson, said, I thought everybody deserves a second chance, but I found out the hard way that a leopard never changes its spots. I put my trust in him. He was like one of my old comrades. I thought he was my friend, but he betrayed me in the dastardly way. I mean, he's probably quite hurt at the age of 89 because he comes from a generation where nobody would do that to an elderly person, especially not an old campaign soldier who lived in Burnley. Does live in Burnley. He joined the 1st Battalion... uh, Cameroons, the Scottish rifle, served in India, Burma and Singapore and he leads the Remembrance Day Parade in Burnley every year. Isn't that sad that somebody would take advantage? But we were, we were talking about this yesterday. My friend John, I was always saying, you know, the only people you trust are people that you really trust because sometimes it's the people who you know the best who are the ones who are going to rob you. They're going to take advantage because you never think it's going to be them. As in the case of Mr Dawson, he didn't think that somebody he befriended would actually take advantage of him. He's, a, he's an 89-year-old man. He deserves better. And uh, he's got it, because they've, uh, they've sent this, this bloke off to prison. So he can stay there, but at least he's been named. How much did Cara Delevingne make last year? Considering how many mentions she gets on my programme, almost on a weekly basis, she's a, she's a top model. She earned £2.4 million last year. Now, to be honest with you, that doesn't actually seem like a huge amount of money for somebody who appears to be working practically every day. They say it's about £6,500 a day. £6,500 every day is what she would uh, is what she would earn. It's a lot of money, isn't it, really? But I've heard of other people who say that I don't get out of bed for less than 20000 or 10000 but 6500 for her, and so she earned £2.5 As long as she saves it... It'll all be fine. Not like some of these pop stars nowadays who want to be celebrities who earn lots of money. Hands over fist, they get some money. <gasps> Good grief, do they ever get money? And then they just lose it. They spend it on, you know, big mansions because they think that's what you've got to have. If People are always surprised. You know, when you sort of go round to a pop star's house, you go, oh, it's just like a little bedsit, is it? You assume everybody on television is earning a small fortune. They're not. They don't earn. They have to pay bills like everybody else. And once the television work dries up, what do they do then? Turn up, turn up on radio stations, I think. Uh, ghosts don't exist. It's all in the mind. Uh, scientists have now proven that it's our mind playing tricks. It's a set of mixed-up signals in the brain. Now, there will be those of you listening who would argue the toss with the scientists on it. But they say here that what, what they did, they subjected blindfolded volunteers in an experiment in which robot arms were used to fool their brains into thinking they were being touched by an unseen ghostly presence. Two people were so unnerved by the experience, they asked for the experiment to stop. And uh, they say here, you can do this, you can make people believe that they're being touched by angels or whatever else it is. But they've said it's all, it's in the mind. They did this in Switzerland. It is the first experiment to induce the sensation of a foreign Presence. It's called FOP, Feelings of Presence. And so they've said, robot, uh, so robots, uh, they've said that ghosts do not exist. It's all in your mind. You imagine that something's happening. People imagine that they've seen something. It's your mind playing tricks on you. People want to believe in it, though. We do want to believe, don't we, that the dead come back, that they sort of wander through walls, you know, with their head underneath their arms, going, ooh, dragging chains like Marley's ghost. That's what we want to believe. But if the scientists say it doesn't exist, mind you, they might be wrong. They might be wrong. Steve Allen on LBC. 
Morning, you're pretty nice to be company. It's Friday morning, it's 11 minutes to uh, 6. And uh, a couple more things here. Uh, it is true, says Jackie, the uh, Christmas ads herald the festive season is upon us, but for me... It's I'm a Celebrity, mainly for Ant and Deck. The victims this year, well, so far it's going to be Melanie Sykes. The diary was looking pretty empty. And uh, the extremely full, looking about, she's about to explode a small barrage balloon, Gemma Collins. Plus, they hinted that some nobody from the X Factor was going to go in. But I think it's supposed to be a celebrity, and he's not a celebrity. Mind you, Gemma Collins isn't a celebrity. She just happens to be somebody who takes up a lot of television space. Uh, 50,000 families have had their benefits cut as a result of the government's welfare cap. So uh, these people... People are now out looking for jobs. One of them being Jackie Button, who is Jade Goody's mother, who seems to think, I don't know why, uh, that people are going to be interested in buying uh, Jade's old toys. I mean, not even of any interest to any museum. I mean, anything that Jade Goody bought on earth, unless she was buying, as I say, um, you know, something that was that was terribly expensive. But I wouldn't imagine that Jade Goody had ever been or would ever know about anything like that at all. So she's selling that and she's got some other little bits and pieces because she's flat broke. Uh, mainly because she's wasted the money. She was given £20,000 by Jade. And uh, very much, she's not worked for ages. She's not actually done anything, really. And so now she's saying, they've cut my benefits because I can work. Of course you can work. Of course you can work. Caught blimey, never knew that. Uh, Prince Andrew has described the broadband speed at Buckingham Palace as Wizzo. Wizzo. I mean, does anybody seriously use Wizzo unless you're in a, in a comic? Um... And so they've got other words here, which, which seem to have disappeared. Crikey uh, was an expression for Christ, which I didn't know, which actually came from the mid-19th century. Struth. Nobody uses these words anymore. Although apparently I'm now reliably informed that James O'Brien says crikey. I don't know when he says it. Struth, believed to have its origins in 19th century Australia, originally uttered as a way of expressing surprise or dismay. Str- of course, Struth. I suppose that could be right, couldn't it? Spiffing. There might be people listening who've never heard of these words. Uh, this A spiff was a well-dressed man in the 19th century. The word originally applied to anybody stylish. Certainly not going to be applying to me. Oh, my giddy aunt. Do you remember that? Oh, my giddy These are all very familiar to me, I'm afraid. Uh, giddy has meant mad for more than a thousand years. It comes from the, uh, the old English giddy, spelt G-I-D-I, meaning possessed. That'll be Yvette Fielding then, won't it? She's fairly possessed on her programme. Uh, ace. You know, somebody's ace. And uh, anything cool or brilliant. Very popular in the 1980s. You're getting on my wick. Remember that expression? That comes from Suffolk, expressing irritation linked to the annoyance felt by candle makers when dirt stuck to the wick while it was being handled. I'm chuffed to bits. I'm chuffed to bits. That was a 16th century... A chuff was a miserable or boorish person. Oh, Jordan. A chuff. There you go. So not not chav at all. Gadzooks. Gadzooks. A 17th century term used to convey astonishment, but avoiding taking the name of God in vain. And so so they go on. Holy mackerel. Sweet Fanny Adams. Stone the crows. Geronimo. Used to shout, if you jumped onto a swing, you'd go, Geronimo! No, just me again. Uh, Core or Core Blimey, Gee Whiz, Cowabunga. I thought that actually came from the Ninja Turtles. I thought that's where that one came from. Smashing and uh, and Wizzo, which is Prince Andrew. You can't really believe Prince Andrew. Perhaps that explains a lot, actually. An exclamation of wonder or approval. Wizzo. 
Now you know, if you hear somebody use... You'll be out there using them today, won't you? You'll be using all of these expressions. People are saying, where'd you get that from? Steve Allen told us about it on the uh, on the radio this morning. Wizzo. I can't imagine anybody ever saying... Unless it was in a a, a, a cartoon. Something like the, the, the Backstreet Kids or whatever that... Uh, Cheryl, Cole, Nee, Nee Frankfurter. And, of course, they were all given out... They've got uh, some nice things saying, I love Cheryl. They're quite clear. So she turned on the lights. I forget how many lights there were. It's a heck of a lot. It's a heck of a lot of lights. 750,000, I think. Is it too early? I mean, we, we are only up to November the 7th, but as far as I'm concerned, loving Christmas, uh, I'm, the only, I'm the only person who sort of thinks it's never too early. I think you can have Christmas lights up all year round. I think that's absolutely wonderful. I think that's pretty... I got slightly disturbed the other day when I was looking at the television. They said, oh, by the way, some steel bolts have fallen off the cheese grater. This is the city landmark in London. It's a 47-store Leadenhall building being investigated now by the property developer British Land. They say there's no risk to the building's structural integrity. But, I mean, let's face it, if a bolt's going to fall out, I mean, this could have gone straight through somebody. Luckily, nobody was injured. Uh, the bolts connect nodes on the building's megaframe. What in God's name is that? What does that mean? Two of them fell off there. You sort of imagine that... I mean, I always worry about about buildings in London. I don't understand how the glass stays on there. Even if it was superglued, I've still got no idea. Still got no idea. <laughs> uh, Jade's mum says she's a childminder. I think not. I think not. Also, she says she can't work. Then she wouldn't be able to spend much time with her, with her um, grandchildren. Well, everybody else manages, Jackie. So perhaps you need to sort of, you know, get your head out of the sand, get out there and do something. Uh, love a duck, says Andrew. Love a duck. Love a duck. But uh, Pete says, it's very sad the man from Burnley, the man who was robbed by the person he tried to help, had nobody else to help him with his weekly shop. Yes. I, I hadn't thought about that before, but you're quite right. There should be loads of people, loads of people, who can actually, you know, help him out. Next door neighbours or the Legion or somebody like that. He's 89 and he can't, he can't actually get out there at all. Which is, uh, which is a bit of a shame, so he has to rely on somebody who takes advantage to him. Prince uh, Harry's ex, Chelsea Davy, uh, visited the Royals' favourite club with a new lover last night. Uh, this is some club in Kensington. There's obviously different places for different people. For the rest of us, it, it's the local Locarno, and for them, it's sort of posh places in Kensington, where they probably go there and they pay through the nose for drinks. It's an Alpine-themed club. There is actually, if, if you were thinking of winning the lottery tonight and you, and you enjoy skiing, there's, uh, in Country Life this week, Verbier's number one chalet is for sale. They haven't put a price on it, but it's got an Onyx swimming pool. An Onyx infinity swimming pool. I've only ever heard of Onyx used to make ashtrays and lighters. And everybody from the 70s onwards, for about 10 years, used to have an Onyx set. There'd be a, a bottle or some glasses, but the favourite was an ashtray and a lighter. I had an Onyx lighter and an ashtray. Well, they're probably worth money now. They're probably going to be coming up, I think, uh, in, in auction. If only you'd saved all the stuff that you had from childhood, imagine how rich you would be. Imagine how rich you would be. Uh, Andrew says, love a duck. Do you think Gemma Collins survives on one meal a day? I don't think so. Not looking by the size of her. Max says, struth comes from God's truth. Struth. Is it funny? You don't, you don't use these words anymore. Crikey. You definitely don't do that. You definitely don't do that. Um, 84850... Uh, Polish workers at the Lidl store in Scotland told to stop speaking their native language. Yes, uh, I'm going to come round to that uh, a little bit 
later on this morning, a little bit later on, little bit later on this morning, when we've got about half an hour left to go. Uh, lots of pictures of Karen Brady. She's now Lady Brady of, I think, Knightsbridge. Baroness Brady of Knightsbridge. So she was made a Conservative peer. It's unbelievable, isn't it? But she was in there, flanked by her apprentice co-star, Lord Sugar. Wow. Unbelievable. Of course, just, just think, all those years ago, she used to work for LBC. Uh, I, always, I always say that to people. She's, she's been in many, many times. She used to work in our advertising department, and it was going out selling advertising to David Sullivan that, uh, that made her move away from advertising. Um, ACDC story hits the paper today. This is the Australian group and the drummer charged with trying to hire a hitman. The police have now dropped these charges. Unfortunately, it was too late for the papers to do a correction. They've said there is no evidence, or there's certainly very little evidence, so they've dropped the charges. Uh, this is the 60-year-old Phil Rudd, uh, who's played for the legendary Australian rock band on and off since 1975. I don't know anything about ACDC, apart from they had um, a, a singer called Angus, who used to dress up as a schoolboy and play his guitar. That's all I know. But then most of these rock groups have something, something peculiar going on in them. Jimmy Savile makes all the papers again. There's a tidal wave of new sex abuse allegations against him, prompting nine new investigations, eight more hospitals and one ambulance service, collating evidence given to them by Savile's victims and the Met Police. I think they're saying there's a few hundred more people. Uh, who have come forward. I mean, it's absolutely epidemic proportions. Uh, continuing at the moment, Stoke Mandeville uh, Hospital, Buckinghamshire, also Rampton Hospital, uh, Springfield, Crawley in West Sussex. Uh, the new ones, Birch Hill in Rochdale, Scotch House Hospital, Rochdale, St Martin's Hospital in Canterbury, uh, Meanwood Park in Leeds, Calderdale Royal Hospital in Halifax. The list goes on. And there are various companies that are being investigated as well, all of which had an association with Jimmy Savile, who died uh, back in 2011. But uh, still it goes on. Still it goes on. Um, there is a story. I'll, I'll have to bring it to you later, actually. It's a whip round as a victim sobs in an iPhone scam. We haven't done an iPhone scam for ages. <laughs> We've done enough scams on the programme. The Yorkshire Rippers, the front page of one of the papers this morning. He's had a heart attack. Doesn't seem to bother too many of you. Uh, the campaign to keep the poppies longer. The Mail have said all four parties want the poppies to remain much longer. The Tower have said they're out next week. They've presumably got other things that are going in. Uh, hypocrite that is Russell Brand, a night of controversy. His, uh, his book has sold. His uh, stage show not going well at the Royal Albert Hall. Tickets still available. The Champagne Socialist was out there last night. First of all, campaigning with all the people against the rich and then going off to some theatre lovies do. Uh, the penny petrol cut, not enough. We're looking for more. And a new Band-Aid record? It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. That and more is next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Five past six. Welcome to Friday. It's nice to have your company. It's LBC. I'm with you until 6.30. Then we have the, uh, the morning news. The Yorkshire Ripper makes the front page of the paper. I'll run through those in a second for you. The Poppy Profiteers banned from eBay already. 
Two ceramic poppies have appeared on there. eBay have taken them down. It is not the right place to sell them. Each one represents a person. Ghosts do not exist. It's now official. The war veteran who we've told you about robbed of his life savings. The thief he took pity on is now in prison. Rain and gales for ten days. That doesn't sound very promising, does it? And a new Band-Aid record. Oh, and bees have lost the plot. Rather a shame, really. Uh, Plus, we'll have some of those uh, tickets that you must buy if you want to go and see some of the stars in town. One of them, uh, which has sold out remarkably quickly, is Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga. At the Royal Albert Hall, there's a combination. But when we talked to Tony Bennett some years ago for In Conversation, he loves performing with younger people. He absolutely, it, it obviously keeps him very, very young. You know, he's a very good artist as well. Let's go through the front pages of the papers this morning so you know exactly what you're waking up to. The Mail, we have Andrew Pearson looking at the papers with Nick Ferrari this morning. Uh, they say, uh, join the campaign to keep the Towers awesome memorial open for more to see. And the people at the Tower have said no. They're coming out next week. Uh, plus, Ed Miliband's leadership plunged into crisis as Labour MPs moved to oust him. Backbenchers, horrified by a slump in the polls, have told the chairman of the parliamentary party they want Mr Miliband out before the general election. Very interesting. You can read more on that. Plus, Lady Brady, the apprentice peer. I think she's Baroness Brady of Knightsbridge. Doesn't get any posher than that, does it? Uh, the story about the ghosts not existing emanates from the Daily Mail this morning. Scientists in Switzerland have said, no, it's just the, bla- just the brain playing tricks. Uh, the Daily Express, the soldier who killed bin Laden is finally revealed, or is he? Two people lay claim to having killed Osama bin Laden. And uh, that's in the Daily Express this morning. Plus, Britain in the grip of an early winter sickness bug crisis that could wreak havoc on the NHS. Just what they don't need. Uh, Harry's tearful tribute to our war heroes. Uh, but the action hero who uh, who shot bin Laden is pictured inside a number of papers today where uh, one man has said that he did it. He said that in front of um, Obama. And then somebody else said, no, wait a minute, I did it. So who tells the truth? I have no idea. Uh, and a lovely picture of uh, the Royal Park at Richmond here in southwest London, helping silhouette uh, the fact that they've got literally frost all over the... I've never seen such frost. I thought it was uh, a bit cold out in the burbs this morning. So if you're out there, you know how cold it is. Much warmer in the, in the, in the towns. Uh, Ed Miliband... Fighting for his political life is the headline on the front of The Independent. The Labour leader dismissing the coup rumours, but calls continue for him to quit. Active canvassing underway on behalf of potential replacements. And that you can hear on the, uh, on the LBC News bulletins. Times this morning have also got uh, Richmond in. Obviously, somebody's been out. They've also got photographers near Richmond. It's obviously the place to go to where you can look at the grass and there is a distinct frost all over it, all over it. They say it's uh, freezing. The temperatures fell to freezing for the first time after that unusually warm weather. Heavy rain expected today. And then, of course, if it freezes, we're all in trouble. Uh, The first grammar school in a generation wins Tory support. Front of the Times this morning. Uh, And the secret plan for the end of Miliband. Shadow ministers prepare for leaders' departure as uh, dissent grows. The Daily Telegraph are running today with Back Me, Miliband's plea to the plotters. It's almost like the sort of the dying embers, isn't it, really? And uh, the Prime Minister joining the clamour to give poppies a reprieve. And I've got a lovely picture of um, David Cameron joining the main party leaders, calling for this poppy art installation to stay in place beyond November the 11th. Uh, since July, about four million people have visited. 
It is proving to be one of the one of the best free attractions we've had in the capital for a long time. Long, long time. Uh, ghosts? No, it's just in the mind. Playing tricks with you, getting up to a bit of mischief. Story running on the front of the Daily Telegraph. And also, a grieving son. This is a very interesting story. Who's been ordered to pay thousands of pounds in legal fees after he was sued by the foreign doctor who killed his father. This is Daniel Abani, who killed David Gray, a pensioner, with a massive drug overdose on his first shift after arriving from Germany to work as a locum doctor. The case highlighted gaping holes in Britain's regulation of foreign doctors, leading to an overhaul of the system to protect patients. Daniel Abani was struck off after this error, but he continues to practice in Germany. In their campaign for justice, Mr Gray's two sons, Rory and Stuart, confronted Mr Abani at a medical conference in Germany, calling him a charlatan, a killer and an animal. Uh, Rory was sued in a German court by Abani over the incident. Now the court has threatened Mr Gray with a £200,000 fine if he repeats the insult. In its judgment, the court in Linden, Bavaria, has also ordered Mr Gray to write to Abani, promising never to call him an animal again and instructing him to pay three quarters of the cost of the case, expected to run into thousands of pounds. It's an abs- it's unbelievable one. I remember reading this first time round. Uh, dark and dangerous web. The internet becoming very dark and ungoverned. And I think we've seen evidence of that with the advent of internet trolls, the people who go out there and, uh, you know, a family will lose a child and the internet trolls will write hate messages. It was somebody the other day, and it was somebody perfectly innocent. I think it was a pop star who'd done something... And he said, I got death threats. And I've always said that if anybody, you know, either on Twitter or Facebook or anything like that, right, said it, you go straight to the police. They have departments who deal with it. They can find these people. You get them into court and you make an example of them. And then you contact the local paper and say, I've just done this. And, uh, and you expose them. Because the, the more we, we get into court, the better it is. But it, the Met Chief is quite right. This is Sir Bernard Hogan Howe, a regular on LBC, who said it's uh, little is done to guard against paedophiles, murderers and terrorists. And in fact, it's only today that we were talking about Tinder, which is um, a form of dating site, I think, uh, saying that many of the women operating on there are in fact prostitutes. So you have to be aware of this. Front page of the, the Daily Mirror, Pal breaks 40-year silence. I couldn't care less about Lord Lucan. I'm really not remotely interested. They've come up with more theories over the years than anything else. Now they say he was driven to kill... Over a slaughtered kitten, a close friend has said. He's kept quiet for 40 years. Now he's come out because there's obviously a book to sell. And so that's why. More pictures of the, uh, of the frost in Richmond. Obviously loving Richmond at the moment. Admittedly, it is very pretty. Uh, the Queen legend, Brian May, who made sure that his beloved guitar got the VIP treatment on a flight from London to Los Angeles. So he paid 10 grand to buy it a seat. He bought his guitar a seat. That's what you could do when you're very, very, very successful. Uh, the gun cartridge which flew out and hit the girl in the face. Uh, this was after the, uh, the firearms talk for children at the police headquarters. Nick Ferrari we're talking about this morning on LBC. And don't forget, it's called Farage today. I'm sure you've got quite a lot to talk to Mr Farage about on LBC. Uh, the health alert for the Yorkshire Ripper. In the week that we started a documentary made by my friend Jonathan Levi on Broadmoor. Which took you behind the scenes. That's where Peter Sutcliffe is. Apparently, he's had uh, he's had bad health, like any of us care. He's been dogged by a string of uh, crippling health problems following surgery. A source said, if he doesn't improve, he's not got long left. I can't be uh, I can't be uh, 
any more happy at the moment on something like that. He says they want to see me leave in a box. I should imagine so, yes, that would be, that would be appropriate. This is the man who I think it was something like 13 women, was it? 13 women? He first struck in 1974. It seems ages ago now. I can't believe he's actually still alive. And uh, they've got uh, pictures uh, from the TV documentary inside there. His complaints, heart attack, diabetes, hacking cough and all about that. Obesity and paranoid schizophrenia. So just your average day out, I suppose, for the, for the Yorkshire Ripper. There's also the story in a lot of the papers today of a gardener who died after collapsing at work on a... He was working on a millionaire's estate. He may have been killed, they say, by a poisonous plant that he brushed up against. Good Lord. Baffled doctors couldn't work out what was wrong with Nathan Greenway, 33, who died from multiple organ failure. But um, a man told the inquest it was more than likely uh, that he'd come into contact with a highly toxic purple-flowered uh, aconitum plant, also known as Devil's Helmet, Monk shoot or Wolf's Bane. Unbelievable. He was working at the £4 million Millcourt House estate, owned by a businessman, Christopher Thompson, near Alton. And they've adjourned the, uh, the inquest until next year. I mean, it's a very attractive plant. So says Peter Seabrook, who's the son's gardening expert. But he says it's poisonous to touch without gloves and should be avoided. Should we be made aware of these plants? Perhaps some of the papers over the weekend will do a list of plants that you shouldn't touch because they're highly dangerous. Steve Allen on LBC. 6.20 is the time, so it's Call Farage today with Nick Ferrari for breakfast. However, the uh, X Factor judge Mel B was on the uh, television the other day. She was on Alan Carr's programme and she asked for Sue Perkins' phone number. Now, Sue Perkins is openly gay, so uh, Alan Carr said, um, um, uh, does that mean that you're a lesbian? And Mel B says, uh, yes, I was one of those for a few years. Which, of course, just reaffirms what we thought, because there was an actress in America a short while ago who said that Mel B pinned her up against a wall uh, at some event. And um, it's, uh, she asked for Sue's mobile number in front of the studio audience. So uh, there you go. Should we be surprised any more? Probably not, ladies and gentlemen. Probably not. Uh, more of your texts and uh, emails, which we can squeeze in before the end of the programme. Oh, Pamela, on the subject of crikey, says, I say crikey or crumbs. My mum used to say blitz. Blitz. Crikey. Apparently James O'Brien says crikey. Have you heard that one? No, I don't know. No, I've never heard him say crikey either. I think somebody's made that up. I don't think that's in his vocabulary. He does come up with some words, though, on the programme. Sometimes I've got... No, he must swallow a thesaurus before he comes into the studio. I was listening to him the other day. And I didn't... I, I felt like writing them down. But as I couldn't spell them, there wasn't much point. But I've never heard him say crikey. Uh, 84850, uh, One from, uh, from Peter. He says, just got back for a trip to the UAE. UAE. He says, I find on my caller display box 16 calls in the space of one hour from Her Majesty's Prison Maidstone. It's a mystery. <laughs> Perhaps they think you're somebody else. Uh, and Howard says, um, will you be doing uh, a book signing <laughs> for your book? Don't think so, no. Even though we are available to pre-order through Waterstones, which I'm a little bit excited about. Uh, Neil says, as you know, Lorraine and I recently moved to a lodge house, which is just up the road from The Big House, once owned by no less than Hammer Films. In 1952, they made a film, The Rossiter Case, in which The Big House, the local pub, the plume of feathers, and our house all feature. I've tracked down a copy, and it's great seeing our house in a film that was made before I was born. 
He says, we're not going to the Cenotaph this year, as my dad isn't too well, so we're going to uh, our memorial in, in Gilston instead. Is it Gilston? Probably pronounced it incorrectly, but uh, good luck for uh, for that one. Uh, last night, uh, sorry, last year, you mentioned the poppy stall in our local shopping centre, the Walnuts in Orpington, and it's very good. They've got all sorts of things on our poppy stall, says Poppy Lady, who has sent me in uh, all these pictures and photos of all the stuff that you can buy. They do everything, don't they? Yes, I mean, I think there should be a Royal British Legion shop in London. I don't quite know why they haven't got one. Everybody else has, has got something, and that would be... That would be absolutely ideal, wouldn't it? Um, Lummy. Often used by Will Hayes, says William. Core Lummy. Yes, you're right. All these uh, words which seem to have disappeared. Sonia says, uh, Ream comes from Essex. No, it doesn't. They made it up. Nobody in Essex says Ream. They've never said Ream. It's just made up. It's a made-up word that they got somebody to say. Silly little Joey Essex. Um, and that's it. Uh, Boris Johnson is often, often depicted, says Richard, saying cripes. <laughs> you think? Uh, and um, one here from Bruce. He says, I saw your friend Imelda Staunton last night in Gypsy at the Chichester Theatre. Absolutely fantastic. Great musical, well-supported, good cast. And, of course, Kevin Waitley. Yes. I'm, I'm, going, for the, um, I'm going for the Christmas show at the Dominion. <laughs> I'm definitely going for the Christmas show at the Dominion. Uh, Another one here very quickly. (coughs) On the subject of fireworks, because I think this weekend there's going to be loads of fireworks around. Uh, And in fact, Brian says we're off to Ravens Court Park tomorrow in Chiswick for the firework and bonfire nights. And silly, hope he doesn't tip it down. There's always the fun fair or the pub next door. Yes, I feel sorry for the showman in this weather, because uh, if if it's wet and miserable, who wants to go there? It's just depressing, isn't it? Uh, 84850. Bernie says, why do they have to keep showing Jimmy Savile's smiling or leering face? I don't know, because of all these new uh, allegations which have now emerged. And I think about another 400 people, I think. Certainly uh, enough. Jackie, good morning in Paddock Wood. And um, another one here. Somebody says, my mother made a remembrance cake. Good luck. That's particularly good. I mean, that is blimey. That's, that's professional standards. That is a very, very professional cake. 1914-18, remember, that's about the most professional cake I've ever seen. So that's why I think there needs to be, perhaps bakeries, perhaps Dunn's could start making some uh, some special remembrance cakes. Particularly brilliant, Michael. You can tell her she's very talented indeed, very talented. She must come from a generation where making cakes is always uh, easy. Steve, Mel B's always been very open about being bi. She was with a woman for a year. Crikey, I must be out on the loop on this one. I don't know these things. I find, uh, you know, some, sometimes it comes out. I'd always heard the rumours, but I, d- I never take too much notice of rumours until I can actually see uh, fact as well. They're trying to make more of this uh, Rob Rinder. This is this slightly over-the-top judge on the television. It's, it's sort of a, it's the, the British version of Judge Judy, except she's a lot better. But the son, I think, are obviously trying to make him into... Trying to make him into something. He's, he's just not very good. He's not particularly telefriendly, as far as I'm concerned. But obviously, the son, or he's got a new agent, has said that, uh, you know, this is his moment. But he's, he's not particularly good. Uh, another one here. It's, Jay says he does say crikey. Well, he probably will now after this programme. But his, uh, his technical boy on the programme, Clive, says he doesn't. Uh, the person who tried to sell their poppies. On eBay, says Chris, should have their allocation withdrawn. Yes, I absolutely agree. Heavens to Betsy, says Christina. That's another expression that we don't use. Heavens to Betsy. Gordon Bennett. 
Gordon Bennett, he says, Sean, in Kemptown, down in uh, Brighton. Gary hates Christmas. Hates it. And somebody said that when Gemma Collins goes into the jungle, uh, it's going to be, I think... What did they say? Oh, it's going to be... Her, her first Butch Tucker trial is a salad. I'm back with you Sunday. Have a great weekend. Follow me on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show. Nick and the team with you at seven. Next, it's the morning news with Lisa Aziz.